This podcast is brought to you by Stormaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at Stormaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Always remember your role is to serve the user. What I really like about Ace is just this mix between all the technical side, the analytics side, for instance, which I'm very fond of, but also the fact that whether we say it's science or art, I, I know people love to say ASO is where arts meet science, et cetera. For me, it's just saying, this is where you have to remember is not any number you're looking at is actually something that translates into user behavior. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing here at Stormhaven. And today I'm really excited to be here with uh, a dear friend, Simon Tilly from Aptweek. He's head of ASO. Hey, Simon. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. What's up? And and probably this is being published uh, like a couple of weeks from now. Uh, but uh, today uh, we woke up to really sad news, which is uh, the war in Europe and Russia and Ukraine. Uh, so we'll try to uh, to focus, but we're sending um, our best wishes to anybody uh, in Ukraine and Russia and anyone involved. So, uh, Simon, do, do you want to introduce yourself in Aptwick a bit? Sure. Uh, so my name's Simon. Uh, I'm uh, I've been working around ASO for um, a little over five years now. Um, I started doing ASO. Uh, mostly when I was working as a gross marketing manager at Deezer, uh, which is a French music streaming service. Um, this is also where I, where I was working around growth in general, so getting to work with uh, attribution tools uh, or SEO as well. So it was a, a great education. And um, I joined AppTweak about three years ago. Uh, and now I work there as uh, head of ASO, leading our team of uh, consultants, uh, assisting our enterprise clients, as well as just researching uh, about uh, every bit of innovation there is to find in, in ASO. Uh, and so if you're wondering what is AppTweak, uh, AppTweak is an uh, ASO tool. Uh, so you can find a lot of competitive intelligence about what your competitors are doing in ASO a lot of uh, data science measurement as well to estimate how much uh, downloads you get from ASO, for instance, as well as uh, measuring the impact of your efforts, uh, understanding what's happening with search ads these days, uh, and uh, a few other things. Uh, it's hard to explain all the features we have in just one plug, but uh, if you're interested, just come check out AppTweak. It's apptweak.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just happy to talk about ASO because this has been, uh, a topic to focus on for me for the past three, four years, at least, uh, and something I've become very aware of, 
in a longer period. So it's it's always good to have conversations about it. For sure. And and there's a lot that has been going on in the past uh, year or so, I would say. I would actually say two years, like since Apple has announced the deprecation of the IDFA, it sent, you know, it, it got the UA side of the house to be in kind of a mayhem for the past uh, two years, like figuring out attribution and and how to do it with, with the loss of the IDFA. Um, and then Apple followed up with uh, all the App Store marketing type of updates uh, or ASO updates, I would say, which are in-app events, uh, product page optimization or native A-B testing on the store and uh, custom product pages. Um, all of these updates are, are now out. Um, custom product pages is being adopted by the industry, uh, although it's, it's happening uh, relatively slowly. I mean, there's a few ad networks to support it right now, Apple Search Ads and Iron Source. But that has provided uh, a lot of new tools to, to ASO folks to use and utilize. Um, so we'll talk about that. And, and I also want to talk more strategically about, you know, I've, I've been hearing a lot of people trying to redefine the role of ASO. And I just had a conversation, like, I think uh, a week or two ago with, uh, with a friend. And, and we talked about the fact that the name ASO doesn't do justice anymore to the profession. Like it, it, it kind of... Uh, draws a parallel between ASO and SEO, which are completely different. And I suggested uh, folks should start calling it uh, organic user acquisition. Um, so let, let's start from from the top. Like, how do you see the role of ASO? I mean, you have perspective of a few years have been changing in the in the past uh, several years and and even months now with all these new tools. Yeah. I, I'm not necessarily of the mind that the name ASO is uh, the issue. I do agree that, uh, and I've been fighting for a long time with people saying ASO is SEO for mobile apps, just because uh, even if you wanted to accept this hypothesis, the reality was SEO has always been about having one landing page for one search query. Um, and this is where I was saying, no, until we suddenly got custom product pages, the rule was you would only get one page uh, for everyone. Uh, and that already made it so different. But um, to go back to the overall question, I think for me, the first thing that's really important to realize when we talk about ASO is that it's in the middle of everything. There's some tasks that belong to products, some tasks that belong to customer support, some tasks that belong to um, user acquisition. Um, and so it's, it's this really unique role where you have to understand a bit of everything and then redistribute insights and how you can best serve any other thing. Uh, and sometimes not only serve them, but um, give new things for them to do. Uh, I think iOS 15 was exactly that. It was suddenly, oh, wait, we need, uh, we need as ASO to bring uh, this new tool to the paid UA side, uh, where they will get better conversion rates if we provide them with landing pages that match uh, how they segment uh, the traffic. 
But at the same time, a big question these days, and this is a question I, I ask most of the people I talk to, is who actually owns custom products pages? And the same with in-app events. Like, who's the owner at your organization? Because I think there's multiple situations and not everyone is going to do it the same. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that it's... The, the custom product pages actually started a, a lot of the discussions that are happening right now around how the ASO team should should be structured and how it should work. And, and I think you hit a really important point, which is how it should communicate insights um, across the company. And, and that's because, yeah, custom product pages, from, on one hand, it's a tool that helps uh, user acquisition teams to increase paid conversions uh, and then increase return on ad spend. Uh, but which team owns the knowledge and, and all the data that they've been collecting for, for years now around how different audiences respond to different product pages? It's the ASO team. They have that knowledge. Years and years of, of conclusions and insights uh, that, that the UA team doesn't necessarily have. Um, so... So working together, I'm sure that they can reach a, a better outcome, uh, but it's still unclear because on the one the one end, like a UA, I'm now wearing the hat of a UA manager. I want to set up a new campaign and I have a diff, uh, certain ad creative uh, strategy with a certain theme. And uh, up until custom product pages, th that was it. It was optimizing the targeting, the ad creative, bidding, of course, uh, different channels, and so on. And after custom product page, there's another step that they can control, which is the product page that can match the, the audience and the creative theme that they're uh, using in a certain campaign. So they, they want to use one. Uh, the question is, do they know how users behave on the app store and, and, and how they respond to different messaging? Um, not necessarily. So they, they have to work with the ASO team. Um, and there's of course all the, the other uh, the other features in app events and and product page optimization. So, what what do you think about trying to unpack or or break down the role of ASO to to its components, like in in 2022? So, like using everything that is known to to the industry today. So, I would say one side of it is is and it has always been, and that's maybe the root of ASO uh, discoverability, like to optimize discoverability. And, uh, you know, how many impressions and the quality of impressions you get from search by optimizing keywords. Um, and there's, of course, now in-app events that, that build into that because it also appears in uh, search results. Uh, and, of course, the areas of featuring and chart ranking. So there's that part. Um, what else? I would say app clips. They're a bit peeve of mine, but... Uh, for me, they they have been the most forgotten feature of iOS 14, uh, where only few apps have really leveraged them so far. But this ability of basically working really here with a dev team and like product and dev, working to improve the discoverability without the app store, but powered by an app technology that has to be uploaded to the store itself. Uh, this is also part of discoverability, and 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 then main challenges. Even if we focus on what happens on the store, um, there's really this big question mark of um, 
after ATT, will people return to the store to to discover apps? This is what Apple is trying to push for. But mm-hmm. also, are Aussies still going to discover apps through with uh, social media ads or um, any type of referral? Um, and another thing that we didn't mention about custom product pages, but that obviously can also have an impact is influencer campaigns. Like it's not only the regular ads on Facebook or whichever ad channel you're used to. It's you you can do custom product pages for many different situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's uh, everything that relates to off-store marketing. Like I would imagine that if Coinbase, like Coinbase did their ad on the Super Bowl, um, they might have, they didn't use a custom product page, but I think. Yeah, I, I, they didn't use it. And I, I will tell you for this one, I was really disappointed that they didn't use an app clip actually, because if you're going to use uh, a QR code, using an app clip would be even stronger because then you get people to use your app immediately. Yeah, of course. And it's it's an opportunity that comes once in a year to get like, I think in the first minute I got 20 hits, uh, 20 million hits of the of the QR code. So for sure. And, and so app clip would be one thing that could have been uh, utilized. And another thing would be a custom product page with messaging around the, their campaign because the ad itself was just a QR code. So imagine people scanning the QR code, bam, they're going to a custom product page that talks about... Uh, uh, the you know they they gave out uh, like fifteen dollars worth of Bitcoin to everybody registering. So so that on the product page, I'm sure that they could that could have mean you know hundreds of thousands of more installs if they optimized conversion rate that way. So um, everything related to off store as well, of course, the the app store optimization team uh, can provide custom product pages for influencer marketing, um, TV. Um, Everything, even even billboards, if you think about it, like everything that uh, that that you can use to drive uh, users with a link or a QR code um, to a custom product page. Um, so we talked about discoverability after marketing. Of course, there's conversion rate optimization, which is on one hand for organic traffic, like traffic coming in from searching and browsing the app store. Um, it's also a really interesting point because I think that Apple will have some success with uh, what they're trying to do, which is to drive the store as the main place where uh, users uh, or people go to discover apps um, because just ads are becoming less and less targeted. And I don't know about you, but like I'm scrolling through Facebook these days and ads are like so irrelevant to me. And I play games, but it's like it just became really, really untargeted. So um, that that's that sends me to to the app store to actually find new games. Um, so there's, uh, there's conversion rate optimization for the organic side and for the paid side, of course, uh, which is now connected to custom product pages. Um, that's maybe the third piece. The fourth piece, which is really, really advancing in, in the past year, I think is measurement and insights. Like so many teams out there don't look at, uh, app store connect data. Yeah, that's and, true. And and that and there's so many insights and so much data that exists within App Store Connect, and it's only growing and growing. And Apple is releasing more features to App Store Connect, 
that it's nuts. And, and it's, I think it was driven by the fact that folks for years have been um, used to look at MMP dashboards as the single source of truth for anything attribution-wise. So they didn't see the need to go to AppStore Connect. But um, when you in a world where you can measure the impact that in-app events have on um, new and lapsed users uh, and and where they're actually driving insults from, which, which traffic source, in a world where you can actually filter out uh, performance in terms of downloads, revenues, and retention at, at a custom product page level, then you get back some kind of aggregated uh, attribution back. You can technically yeah, calculate the, the return on ad spend on a campaign. If you use um, a single custom product page with a campaign, you know which traffic is landing there and Apple tells you what's the revenues that have been driven at a cohorted uh, level, by the way, from that custom product page. So the kind of me- uh, insights that, that that can be produced from really good measurement with apps to connect is also something that I think uh, the ASO team is really involved in. Yeah, to be, to be honest with that, uh, I remember when iOS 14 was announced, uh, I, I was expecting that app clips would be uh, would become accessible with a URL and, and that they would, they would become something that basically w- would be the UTMs for apps in the App Store. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we're getting custom product pages, but there's definitely this option of saying, you know what, you have difficulties, uh, like you, you won't be able to measure everything, but SCAD network is frustrating for a lot of different reasons. Um, at the same time, MMP data has really this question mark of, is the data you get from opt-in users reflecting what happened with blended with a blended view, uh, and another way of looking at it is to say you you can just multiply custom products pages because you have up to thirty five. Uh, each one can be uh, declined in different countries, so you really have. It's not like you're going to be able to only take uh, thirty five spread through your ten main markets. No, you can have each concept of a custom products page for all of your top 10 markets and even more. Um, so there's definitely this side of analytics, but to me, what what's really interesting in, in where we've uh, discussed so far is we, we still have this old kind of software in our mind of saying it's basically traffic and conversion. And then you can argue whether it's conversion uh, about paid or organic or both. Uh, the reality is what changed most, in my opinion, with iOS 15 through the uh, new console and through in-app events is that we're reminded that now it's not only about getting new users with ASO, it's also about getting people to come back, about measuring the activity you get from an event. And, and this is massive because I think, especially for smaller uh, teams, that don't necessarily have a product team able to track every single event within their app um, and to connect it to an MMP or something like that. You you won't get every single detail, and uh, but you can still see the effect on engagement. How many people, how many more sessions did we get from having this in-app event? Uh, did we drive more revenue? And then there's a question of what's coming next. 
Um, I, I did earlier this year, as I think a lot of people do, I did predictions for the year. And one thing I saw with Synap events is that one thing that's already on Google Play and that I think Apple will just have to match is the possibility to offer um, in-game rewards with uh, events and Google they're called live offers. So you, you're going to have these options of seeing if you do this, but if you offer a reward for someone who completes an event, then you actually will be able to measure how many people engage with the event, but also how many completed it. So there's really going to be a, a lot more now that we're not focusing just on new user downloads, but that we're starting to think, okay, maybe we want to get to get free downloads. Maybe we want to just engage with active users so that they don't leave to another product. Exactly. And, and I think that the folks doing ASO now are positioned in a really, really good way to be just a way more strategic part of the organization because they, like, from what I'm seeing in the past uh, couple of months, I would say, is ASO teams answering questions such as, what is the value, dollar-wise, of, of being featured in different places? Because because you have cohorted data, in, in Appster Connect for in-app purchases and, and sales, uh, you can actually separate the cohort that came in in the day of featuring and put a dollar value on it. So you know that featuring has produced X amount of dollars. And, and then, you know, if they communicate these insights in a really good way to, to marketing leadership, um, they can put in more resources or even understand better what does it even do when we get featured? Is it vanity? Is it not vanity? You have answers for it, and the answers lie within um, the ASO team that is pretty used of you uh, of getting into Appster Connect. I was going to tell you uh, there's there's another part because uh, we talk about the value of um, metrics in Appster Connect or Google Play Developer Console. Um, there's added uh, there's other gold mines that are definitely part of what we do at AppTweak, for instance, where one thing I consider is really too often overlooked is the meaning of the volume attached to a keyword. The simple, uh, like studying simple search results is actually an extremely powerful uh, user behavior research tool. Because first, the volume tells you what are people most interested in. It can help you message, uh, choose your message by knowing which which words actually interest people more. Um, I remember back in my days of Deezer, um, we we had done an A/B test using Google Play, but uh, something you you could also see from um, comparing volume data on on the keywords was that between uh, tracks or playlists, people are more associating music to playlists these days. And so when you look at the volume, when you look at what are the apps ranking in the top 10, and that tells you, okay, these are this there is a trend in the topic, or there's one app that's able to uh, assert its brand power by being off topic, but still being number one. You have all these insights that you can find Obviously, when whenever someone is telling me we're doing market research about brand awareness, I'm saying just start in the store. If you see, like for an app, if you see 
if the brand name of your app has lower volume than your competitors, you can start measuring the gap in brand awareness. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. There's, there's so many consumer insights uh, hiding there. Um, I, I just wanted to, to continue the, the, the point we said about insights. And in, in terms of like having the ASO team produce this insight, there's also a question of how do they communicate it? And now I see the smartest teams out there. And it's so important. Like it's, it's such an important thing that can make or break like how the ASO team is viewed. Because uh, I'll give you one example. Like there's uh, a few smart teams out there that within ASO are really studying over time. Some call it media mix models, but it's, uh, it has a lot of name. But studying on an aggregated way um, their performance on the organic side, on the paid side, within AppStore Connect, like taking AppStore Connect data. It's not very easy to do it, but it can be done. Um, and they, they study how different marketing activities are influencing these metrics. So when you do something off the store, like a, market, a, a brand awareness marketing campaign that has TV, billboards, I don't know, um, uh, an influencer campaign, what does that, what does that do to uh, branded search, for example, uh, and installs coming in from, from search in general? Uh, what does that do to the performance, the, the UA paid per- performance, which is, it can affect uh, conversion rates for all of the paid uh, campaigns because people recognize the brand, so they respond to the ads better. Um, but by studying that, they can feed back the, the broader marketing organization with insights as to what's the effectiveness of all these different activities that can't really be attributed anymore. Um, so what do you think, like, how do you think is the most effective way that an ASO team should communicate with, uh, with the broader org? Honestly, I think the question is, um, for me, there's two ways of thinking really the architecture of your team. And you have to uh, take the model of, um, of feature companies that have squads or uh, startups, like there's uh-huh. different names, but, but where you're basically going to mix people with different skills, different skill sets, and have them collaborate on a specific objective uh, and output uh, on what kind of effort can you produce. And so with that, you can either say, you can have an ASO team where every team member is going to be scattered and sent to be part of a different squad. One will be in charge of uh, organic acquisition. One will be in charge of how do we support paid. One will be with product and live ops. One will be on um, um, user research. One will be uh, an analytics and working with data scientists. Uh, another option is to, to make those different skills and have the ASO squad in charge of um, informing everyone else, but then be more in a uh, strategic role, in a pilot role. Um, Because I I think it's either you consider this is a support team, but then the support team best serves the organization by being in multiple different places, or it's a strategic team, and then it's more like others have to know uh, this is where they get uh, the first bit of data that is going to tell them, let's investigate this further with our specific um, field. But knowing that it starts from ASO saying, we're seeing these different trends. 
we're able to say this one seems to match best the interests of the company and then start um, like just deriving everything from what you have there. Yeah, and, and I think the more proactive the the ASO team is, the better visibility they'll have in, in the organization. Uh, you don't have to wait. You don't have like there's uh, also on the, on the other side of the spectrum, there's a lot of teams that simply wait and respond to like some companies call it like code reds or or whatever, like, uh, you know, somebody... Somebody really high in the company says, "Oh my God, our our organic our our DAUs uh, have dropped by fifty percent, thirty percent, forty percent this week." Uh, what's up? And then everybody like huddle and start uh, solving it. Uh, you don't have to wait for that moment to shine. You have, you can be proactive and continue f- uh, to to feed the the organization and leadership with these insights uh, in a really compelling way and kind of train people exactly to. Uh, to the fact that you just mentioned that the the data that they get, the, the first pieces of data they can get to hint uh, where performance is going to head uh, is it can can come from the app store. It's like it's a really really important uh, uh, source of of data and, and information. So um, let, let's talk a bit about tech. Like we we defined uh, kind of in a in a good way. I think the different components of a modern ASO team. Um, what are your thoughts about like the new tools that have been rolling out? Because um, let, let's do like a quick uh, pulse check. So in-app events are out. It seems that a lot of the industry has been uh, adopting these and and they're being used pretty widely. Um, two features that aren't uh, didn't get massive love just yet are custom product pages, which I think is mostly due to the fact that only search ads, iron source. And I believe there's another ad network that supports them now, but uh, it's it's advancing pretty slowly in terms of support. Um, and there's product page optimization, which is kind of uh, I don't want to crown it as the most hated feature, <laughs> but it's uh, people oh. don't like it. People don't like it. <laughs> I, I think we can. Uh, I, I think custom product pages people look at when they know of it because I think it's still an information challenge. But mm-hmm. I, I think people in ASO at least look at this as I wish I had the resources to do it. Whereas yeah. product page optimization is from the early feedback is there's so many issues with how Apple implemented it that there's not even the hype you get from Google Play experiments, which is far from perfect, but that at least doesn't hurt how your release cycle goes. Uh, doesn't have... Uh, tech teams complaining about, oh, the ASO team is trying to do something and now we have to wait. They're asking us to wait to push the new build or or anything like that. So mm-hmm. product page optimization, I, I do hope Apple is listening and just working on fixing it. I think a lot of people have complained. So even with Apple track record of not saying much, I, I do think they will work on it. Um, I think we can only judge the final result once uh, all the elements that were not really integrated in the first release uh, have have been fixed. Um, and for me, the big question will be, at that time, is there any change in the 90% confidence interval? Uh-huh. Because that, that's the thing we didn't even get to with product optim- page optimization yet. It's that they're using a statistical model, which tends to be um, 
very open to false positive results. And this is something we've demonstrated at AppTweak with Google Play because Google yeah, with Play Google has experiments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so right now, it's I, I did run, for instance, when, when product page optimization came out, I did run an AA test just as a way of looking, hey, how much noise might there be in here? And um, I, I didn't have a lot of traffic to my uh, to the app I did it on. So uh, there was not even time to really be conclusive on this. Uh, but still, I could already see there's noise in here. It's not surprising. We're talking about something that's um, going to have noise with this statistical choice they made. Um, but because it's even hard to just run your test for a satisfying amount of time, uh, we're not even to the point where we're complaining about I'm not sure I can trust the result. We're complaining about the fact that it's so hard to just get your test out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The custom yeah. problem pages, yeah, it's, at, it's more of a situation where adoption is really hard because it takes, to be done properly, it takes preparation. And I think even though we knew how it was going to work, a lot of companies didn't have that much time. A lot of companies were still focused on dealing with the aftermath of ATT, especially since the rollout was progressive. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I do think that over the year, we're going to see more and more apps using those. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think one of the main uh, effects that we've seen with, with that, and, and I, I remember when Google Experiments came out on, on the Google Play Store, uh, the biggest thing that that has, has, has caused was just, I don't know, a 10 times higher interest in uh, testing. Because I think when somebody that is managing marketing uh, for, for a mobile app or a mobile game, and they know that such a thing exists, they know that the platform itself released a tool that you're supposed to test your creatives with. And they're telling you, they're kind of educating the market, listen, you should be optimizing a conversion rate. It's not something, it, it's an important piece. And when Apple did it, even though the product page optimization, I agree with you, it's extremely hard to even run a test because um, for a large developer uh, or a large game publisher, if you have like a seven day release cycle of like updates and, or even a, t a 10 days or even a two week cycle of releasing updates, uh, that's a time frame you have to run a test. It has to be planned very, very carefully and there is no guarantee uh, that you'll reach confidence this time. And I, I didn't see yet any company that is prioritizing um, a creative test on top of a release. Nobody is going to stop, I don't know, uh, uh, Candy Crush from being released uh, to fix a bug or something because somebody wants to run a, a screenshot test. That's not going to happen. So it's, it's going to be difficult to run. But people higher up are not that into the weeds. They just know that there's that Apple is educating everybody and, and telling them you should be testing creative. So I think an ASO team will have no, no excuses. Like before Google Experiments, besides folks using uh, Stormaven or tools like it, uh, there was no way to test. So some folks said, okay, we, will, uh, we won't do it. We'll focus on other things. When Google Experiments was out, th there was way less people like that. Uh, now I can't see a single ASO team that doesn't get like a directive from the person uh, managing marketing. You should be optimizing conversion rate. You have all these tools, figure it out. And they won't necessarily know, you know, all the tiny 
tiny uh, limitations that, that we know because it's our day to day. So I think that in 2022 we'll see a lot, more, a lot of ASO teams gets a lot of pressure to increase conversion rates, uh, and they will have way less excuses to explain why they can't do that. Yeah, but I think it's something we we definitely should embrace as well because for a long time uh, companies have been scared to go into conversion rate optimization because in the end the screenshots were also decided by a brand team that had a very specific idea of what the brand should be. Mm-hmm. And would would not even really study data and, and look at how you can actually convince people, even if it means taking a little more risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, uh, definitely. So I think we we kind of shaped, uh, in our opinion, how an ASO team should be structured uh, these days, and and how strategic strategic it could be. And I think also one maybe last prediction for me, because we're almost running out of time, is that what we'll see is that on the measurement and insights uh, side of things, um, there's a huge opportunity for people in ASO now to go into uh, data and analytics and study these kind of things. And uh, and specifically the consoles, the, the platform consoles, Appster Connect and the Google Play Developer Console. Because another thing that was announced uh, just uh, a week ago or, or two weeks ago, um, I think was uh, the Google Play um, proposal for how to implement their privacy guidelines. They call it the Privacy Sandbox for for Android. They've been working on on the, the same type of initiative for the web for the past uh, two two and a half years. But now they proposed um, their guidelines. They did say they're going to do it in a in kind of a way where they're going to listen to the community and the ecosystem, and they are inviting feedback. And they said they're not going to enforce uh, most of it for like the deprecation of the GAID for the next uh, two years. The GAID, which is the counterpart of the IDFA. Um, and something really, really interesting that they brought there in the, in the proposal was, uh, was something, I, I won't go into the technical details. It's called the SDK runtime. It's basically, uh, for those of you who aren't that familiar with how apps run on a mobile device, there's basically a runtime environment that is there. It's like on any computer, basically. There's an environment where the software that you downloaded can't really interfere with things on on certain things on the operating system side. Uh, so it's limited. So nobody can do things that are extremely harmful to, to your computer. Now, SDKs are pieces of software that run within apps. And up until now, these, these pieces of software are completely integrated uh, they're integrated within the apps and they're being reviewed by the App Store and Google Play review team uh, together with the code of, of the rest of the app. Uh, so they inherit the permissions the app gets and they can access device parameters that they need, some advertising SDKs, of course, and attribution SDKs to do fingerprinting. So they can read things like the IP address and the version of, of your modem and your battery level and all these kind of things to do fingerprinting and kind of continue the old way of doing attribution on mobile, on mobile user acquisition. And Google has proposed something that they call SDK runtime, which will basically limit, it will have a separate environment for SDKs to run in that doesn't inherit uh, the permissions the app gets. Uh, so it doesn't hurt the functionality of the app, but the SDK itself can't read these parameters. So if that is being adopted, and I think it's a very elegant solution, I, I think that there's kind of a good chance or a decent chance that Apple will adopt something similar now. Um, 
and and that would kill fingerprinting because there's still a lot of teams that are kind of balancing between how are we doing measurement of paid UA and dealing with the aftermath of iOS 14.5, but we can still do fingerprinting on all these different ad networks because the SDKs still do it. So uh, I think that what we'll see more and more of is fingerprinting going away. And then even more of the spotlight would be on measuring the impact of marketing, be it paid or different organic marketing activities, through looking at aggregated data over time and and understanding at least directionally where things go in terms of sales and return on on different activities. Um, so so ASO teams have a huge opportunity if they take the next uh, period of time and really make sure their uh, their data literacy and and the, their familiarity with these uh, consoles is really world class. I will say they have a second advantage actually, which is not only do they have the tool where there won't be this question of how is it measured and and uh, I mean you you should also get literate on how Apple measures different metrics, but um. But there's not just a question of thinking, okay, we have the tool that's going to be the most stable in measurement practice. There's also just the fact that all of these teams have been struggling for, I think, at least five years with the question, how can I prove the impact of my work? Uh, and that has led to a lot of people in the ASO team already knowing how to really just uh, conduct measurement, uh, uplift measurement. And uplift measurement is going to be the reality for so many different marketing tasks moving forward. So here, it's even with basic uh, statistical knowledge, uh, this is going to be something that is going to scale uh, on so many different levels that we'll be able to uh, run more of the show, I guess. For sure. Cool. So we're running out of time, but that that was a great conversation. I could continue speaking about this for an hour, but um, but we are running out of time. So th- there is a few questions we ask all of our guests at the end of each episode. Um, so I want to ask you all these questions. Uh, the first one is if you could give just one tip to an aspiring mobile marketer, somebody that actually wants to get into ASO these days with everything we discussed, what would it be? I think I would say always remember you your role is to serve as a user. It's what I really like about ASO is just this mix between uh, all the technical side, the um, analytics side, for instance, which I'm I'm very fond of, but also the fact that whether we say it's science or art, I, I know people love to say ASO is where arts meet science, etc. For me, it's just saying. This is where you have to remember is not any number you're looking at is actually something that translates into user behavior. So as long as you can also think about what action a certain number represents or uh, a keyword, a creative conversion, anything, how it translates into the mind of a user, you're going to be uh, among the ASO greats because it's really easy to get buried in the data, when you connect it back to how does this actually translate with people is when you start really finding the insights. Love that. And talking about ASO greats, uh, who is or what is your favorite mobile growth uh, resource or ASO resource? Where, where do you go to stay 
on top of things or get like really cool insights. Um, and don't say Eric Sofort because uh, every, everybody knows that's, that's a great resource, uh, but let's, uh, let's expand. <laughs> well, I, I would say Eric Sofort is uh, <laughs> great with uh, measurement challenges. But uh, when it comes to ASO, this is not his main topic. And uh, this is where I personally just turn to the ASO stack Slack. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not going to be one person, but just a full community who's willing to share insights, uh, complain whenever there's an outage in the data from Apple or Google. So you're always aware of what's happening. And it's a great way of just learning from other people. So uh, that's my shout out, I guess. Awesome. Um, and the most important question, given that we're in mobile growth and pancakes, uh, what is your favorite flavor of pancake? I'm afraid I might be very disappointing, but I'm just going with a classic and saying chocolate. Uh, chocolate, you can never go wrong with chocolate, yeah. Um, cool, being so in Belgium, especially, like, if I don't say chocolate, I might actually cause a diplomatic incident anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, and we don't want any more uh, diplomatic incidents with uh, everything that's happening. Um, yeah, so... Um, if people want to reach out to you uh, to talk about ASO, discuss things regarding AppTweak, um, chocolate pancakes, where can they uh, find you? Um, LinkedIn, Twitter, ASO Stack Slack, actually. Uh, I try to, to be present every, at least every now and then and always read messages. Uh, and obviously just the, the website uh, of AppTweak. Uh, our blog where I, I post quite regularly about what, what I see happening in different topics. So um, hopefully I can, I can always engage with people with questions. Awesome. Cool. So that has been a, a true pleasure. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversation very much. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Jonathan. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. Find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.